0: Did you ever wonder how Minnesota got associated with the color purple? Did it start with St. Erho, the Finnish counterpart to St. Patrick, whose color is purple? You know, there are a lot of fans in Minnesota. There's even a St. Erho statue up north in Managa. Or did it start with the Minnesota Vikings uniforms? A lot of Vikings fans in Minnesota. Or maybe it truly became Minnesota's color when Prince came out with purple rain however it began i bet that minnesotans have more purple clothes than anywhere else in the country raise your hand if you own something purple i thought so well just be thankful we didn't live in the time of jesus if you think your 200 hundred dollar vikings uniform jersey was uh, a lot to pay back then in the time of jesus The only people that could afford purple clothes were royalty. See, to get the purple dye, you had to extract the mucus from the murex sea snail. Actually, not a murex sea snail, but 10,000 of them to make enough dye to color one piece of clothing a deep Viking's purple. No wonder purple cloth was worth so much. Well, keep that in mind when you hear the story of Lydia, a seller of purple cloth. It's found in the 16th chapter of Acts. Paul and Silas and Timothy are traveling to Greece, telling the world about Jesus. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi Now, two things to note right away. Lydia is not from Philippi. That's in Greece. She's from Thyatira, which is in Turkey. She is 400 miles away from her hometown. And she's dealing in purple cloth. This is like saying that, that she's a dealer in, in some really expensive stuff like diamonds or gold or eggs. I mean, this is, this is <laughs> expensive stuff. Not an ordinary person. Don't picture some kind of peasant sitting with a basket of, of purple. Instead, picture a bold businesswoman traveling to a distant city to make her fortune in luxury goods. Now also picture her as a believer in God. Not Jesus. She hasn't heard about Jesus yet. But she is a woman open to God it continues the lord opened her heart to respond to paul's message when she and the members of her household were baptized she invited us to her, her to her home if you consider me a believer in the lord she said come and stay at my house and she persuaded us as she is the one issuing the invitation for this group to come to her home it appears that that she runs her household just like she runs her purple business. And her witness led to her whole family being baptized, all there in the household. Now after this, Paul and Silas are attacked by the crowds and thrown into jail for their work for Jesus. But that doesn't phase Lydia. Verse 40 says that after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters there and encouraged them. Then they left. Unafraid of the crowds who rioted and had Paul and Silas thrown into jail, Lydia's home becomes a meeting place for the Christian brothers and sisters in Philippi. Her bold witness and her courage impacted her household and her church Though she was never known as a pastor or as an evangelist or as a Bible teacher. She's known for her career as a dealer in purple cloth. So what can we learn from this? That God doesn't use just pastors and church people, church workers. That God can use all of us, wherever we are, our workplaces and our experiences too. Any aspect of our lives can be used for God, not just the religious things. You work at Walmart, God can use a Christian at Walmart. You manage a company, God can use a manager like you. You're retired and you have extra time in your hands, God could use someone with some extra time. You sell Vikings jerseys on eBay, God could use a seller of purple clothes. God can use us in all of our ordinary, everyday things. In a few days, two days, a few weeks, um, Ken Christie is going to be joining us. Maybe you know him. His mother, Yvonne, um, is a member of this church. And Ken is uh, doing a ministry. He's one of the the missionaries that we support. But he's not a missionary uh, like a pastor being sent to a foreign country he actually works here in the US. He works through the navigators and Ken's ministry is business as mission work. He helps people like Lydia to see their work as their ministry. In one of his newsletters, he asks this question. What do a tree service, a thrift store and an all-women fitness gym have in common? The answer is the bottom line, the triple bottom line he says. Jim, Laurie, and Katie, who are the business owners of these companies, put God's kingdom values and principles at the center. So they view their businesses not just as places to make money, but as places to make disciples and to make a difference. All of these businesses are in a two-square-mile area uh, filled with refugees in, the Detroit, in over in Detroit, That area has 30 different languages that are spoken. It's tough enough to make a prophet, he says, but, but making disciples in that context takes a huge amount of time, perseverance, prayer, and love. But they all keep plugging away to faithfully proclaim Christ where the soil is parched. And they do it through their everyday life, their work, and all. What we do here at church is important. But God will never transform the Hastings area in one morning a week. Or a Sunday morning and a Wednesday evening. Or any number of days here at the church. Because a lot of people will never walk into this building. Or any church building. They'll be down by the river, like Lydia. They'll be in our restaurants eating a burger. At the Y working out sitting in the stands watching a game. They'll be in the stores, in the classrooms, getting their car fixed, working in the fields, protecting our streets or plowing them or maybe even living on them. And Jesus wants to reach them. Jesus wants to love them. Jesus wants to save them. So he could use someone like you who goes down by the river, eats burgers, sits in the stands, goes to school and shops in the stores, Whether you're wearing purple or not, God can use someone like you to accomplish his purposes because you are not just a farmer, a teacher, a a nurse, a mechanic, a retiree who happens to be a Christian. You are a servant of Christ who happens to be a farmer, a teacher, a nurse, a mechanic, a retired person. Wherever you go in your daily life, you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a missionary. I love the way that the message version of the Bible puts the first couple of verses of Romans. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That's what Lydia did. What Jim and Lori and Katie are doing and what you and I can do too. God can use someone like you. The letter to the Colossians puts it this way. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And here's the key. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then it goes on to to give specific instructions for the different whatevers that we find ourselves doing. He gives advice to husbands and wives and children and parents and and even slaves. And I know it's kind of jarring to, to hear Paul talk about Christians who happen to be slaves. But remember, it was often those who were low and left out by society that responded to the message of the gospel. And while Paul has no power to give slaves their physical freedom, he does give these Christians dignity and purpose. He says later on in that chapter, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Over the years, slave masters have tried to to twist this around and tell slaves that it was their duty to serve them as if they were Jesus. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, when you realize no human is your master, not even slavery can control you. The The human master wants you to work for them but you can choose to do whatever you do for the Lord instead. You are not a slave who happens to be a Christian. You are a servant of Christ who happens to be held in slavery. Now, you and I don't have any idea what, what it's like to have been a slave back then. But maybe you feel like you're a slave to your situation, a slave to your job, a slave to your schedule a slave to your health situation, a slave to your finances. The Bible says no matter what your situation, you are free to be something more. You can take your situation, whatever it may be, and be in mission for Christ. I was talking with uh, Isaiah Curtis, who is uh, one of the volunteers with our student ministry, he works at Olive Garden, and he was lamenting to a coworker about the fact that, that he hasn't really advanced in his career. A 17-year-old student with no training or experience can walk off the street and get the very same job he was doing. Well, the coworker said, "Well, just imagine how I feel. I'm doing the same job and I'm 33." And I understand the frustration. But I wonder how she might feel about herself if she looked at herself not just as a worker for Olive Garden, but as a worker for Christ, strategically disguised as an Olive Garden server. Now that doesn't mean that Olive Garden is going to let you hand out Bibles or or start uh, bursting into praise songs. But when we do whatever we do, and offer it to Jesus, even if it's waiting on tables or walking by the river, we can be in service to Christ and a witness to our Lord. So ask, Jesus, how do you want me to do my work today? How can I make my everyday, ordinary life, my sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life an offering to you, God? And if you need a little help here, I've got a deal for you. Jeff Davis has agreed to lead a new ministry here at Resurrection. And it's so new, it doesn't even have a name yet. Maybe it would be called the, the Hands of Service, or Here I Am, Send Me, or Ordinary People Doing the Ordinary Things That God Needs Done. But, but here's the idea. You sign up to receive a notice when there's a need. And that need may be here in the church... Or it may be in the community. But if that need matches something that that you do, you can respond and say, "Yeah, I'll do that." And Jeff will help you get connected. Now, you may think, well, you know, is this just for people that have extra special skills or something?" Not really. It's really whatever you bring to the table. Um, Maybe you drive. Um, There are people who walk here to church and it's pretty cold out there in days like today. Maybe you could drive them. Or when we collected all those flood buckets to send down for hurricane relief, uh, somebody had to to load those up in a vehicle and drive them to Pryor Lake to meet the truck that was heading down south. Maybe that could have been you. Or one time, Hastings Family Service called us and they said, uh, we have a, an elderly man who can no longer stay um, where he's living. He needs to, to move into a place with more care. And uh, yet he's got his stuff there, boxes and, and things, and he's not able to do it. Is there anybody at your church that could? You may not know this, but, but we're known among the community as the church that responds to those kinds of things even before we had any official ministry and so there's a couple of people who had strong backs and had stepped up and helped move those those boxes and things I mean that's it's very simple oh here's a good one do you change lights I know this is at least a light bulb out here um, if you change lights maybe you could change a light here. I know it's pretty tall, but uh, there's those kinds of needs all over. Or how about uh, donuts? Do you like donut holes? Did you eat donut hole today? Normally, Cindy, who runs the coffee shop, normally Cindy picks them up. Cindy's sick. Somebody had to step forward. Pastor Julie actually did. Um, and went and got the donut holes today so that we would have donut holes. All these things that we normally do. Do you shop? Yes. Well, it's simple. You know where Cub is. You can get donut holes. All these different kinds of ways that we could be in service. And the the list is is probably infinite. You know, we have a lot of uh, uh, homeless people in the community. We really do. And sometimes they'll stop by here, and maybe they just need a place to warm up. Or, or maybe they need a, a bike tool to, to fix their bike. You might have a bike tool because that's something you do. You bike. And so you could loan it to them so they can fix it. Or maybe you just have a listening ear and they just need somebody to listen to them. That could be you. God could use someone like you. You get the picture. It's that those ordinary, simple, everyday things that we do in life—you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life—that can be an offering to God. And you don't even have to wait until we get all the uh, this new ministry up and running, because you can do that even now. You can take your ordinary life and offer it to God, and you can make a difference. Even if you don't have any purple clothes, you can still be a servant to the Lord. God could use someone like you. Let's pray. God, sometimes we we overthink things. We think there is our faith life and there's our regular life. We think that there is our our spiritual gifts and talents and and then there are the ordinary things that we do and our abilities there. But you see them all as one. You see our whole entire lives and you say, you are mine. And all that you bring to the table can be an offering. So Lord, help us to look at our life that way, not to, dis- to be discouraged or to-, to feel that we have no way to-, to be in ministry, but help us to see our everyday life as ministry for you when all that we do in word or deed, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for making us as we are and giving us the experiences that we have and and the work that we have to serve you and those around us. So in your name we pray. Amen.